0: Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I am your host, Jacob Sokol, and this podcast is all about helping you live with greater levels of success, purpose, and authenticity while being strategic about the unique challenges and opportunities that exist today. If you're new to the podcast, I've done interviews with some of the world's leading researchers like Tal Ben-Shahar, who taught the most popular class at Harvard, Rick Hansen, who's a world-class neuroscientist and the author of Buddha's Brain. I've also interviewed New York Times best-selling authors on the subject of peak performance like Daniel Coyle, who wrote The Talent Code, and Tony Schwartz, who wrote The Power of Full Engagement. I've interviewed spiritual luminaries like Nicole day the founder of Orgasmic Meditation, and world renowned yogi Elena Brower. Now, today's interview is with my good friend Noah Hammond Tyrell. Noah is the founder of OM Marketing Group, which is a company whose goal it is to increase peace and prosperity by effectively marketing high-impact spiritual and transformational leaders. Noah is this amazing blend of being super spiritual, meditating for two hours every morning while simultaneously having the mind of an engineer, which is why he's so good at combining spirituality with marketing we've got a we've got a great chat lined up here you know we explore a multitude of topics things like the five questions to find your life's phd aka your greatest strengths and purpose. We've got a a powerful four-step process for clearing your hidden blocks that might be holding you back. We look at how to learn the language of your subconscious mind, and also, you know, what to do when you've been cracked open by a negative life event. So with no further ado, let's jump into this interview and rock it. Noah, what is cracking, my dude? Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. And uh, what is up, WTF tribe? How's it going (laughs) out there?
0: (laughs) Right on, man. Well, me and you connect quite frequently in our monthly mastermind group and just also personally in between. And one of my favorite things with this show is I get to bring the community into behind the scenes of my life and connect them with some of the people who, who I'm friends with or who I get guidance from. And so I'm I'm stoked to introduce them to you. One of the things that you do so beautifully when we connect in our mastermind groups is you're like a master of setting intentions. And I was wondering if you'd be open to setting an intention for us in today's conversation and for everyone who's listening.
1: Cool, man. Yeah, I like that. Um, All right. Well, if y'all don't mind the sound of a Uh, An occasional buzzsaw in the background. They got some construction going on across the street. So I hope that doesn't break our concentration here. But yeah, absolutely, man. So um, I'll just invite everyone to close their eyes and take a nice deep breath in. Hold it at the top and let it out. Just kind of sink into your space, your energy, your body in this moment right here. And what I like to set as an intention, and if this intention works for any of you out there, you can just kind of silently affirm for yourself because I can't set your intentions only you can do that. My intention for this call is that our time is utilized in the greatest capacity in the spirit of learning and growth and expansion, community and connection that Each person on this call leaves the call feeling as if that one, at least, big golden nugget has been served to them that has created more freedom, more awareness, and more possibility in their life, more energy, more enthusiasm, and more passion. And I set the intention that we leave this call more in love with ourselves and with the world and with each other and more capable of stepping into our missions and our purposes and our reason for being here on this planet at this time.
0: Hey, Amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> right on, dude. It's like I just got showered with positivity right now. It was so cool. And and I, I want to bring it back to you know people who are first being introduced to you What is what has been your journey into spirituality? Because you you live in and operate in the material world, yet at the same time, you're a deeply spiritual being and you bring that essence of yourself and of your your spirit and your soul into your work. So before we get into that part, I'm, I'm really curious about your journey into spirituality. What has that been like for you?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a journey actually. So, um, you know, I'll give you guys the the kind of the quick version of it. Um, there's obviously a lot more than than I could share even just in this time we have together. But um, it actually started off with a horrible. If I was to be real about it, it started off with a horrible breakup at the end of my first year of college. Uh, I had been with my high school girlfriend for a couple years. She came to the same college as me. You know, I kind of spent my whole freshman year like not really wanting to be in the relationship, but being too much of a coward to own that and to leave. And so it just kind of slowly melted down over time, and culminated in this horrible breakup. After which, I recognized my complete inability to like confidently express myself to women uh, that I was attracted to, to meet new women, to go be myself out at a party, and like those kinds of things. So my my if I was to be real, my spiritual journey really started off as a self development journey fueled by my need to like gain confidence and know how to attract and meet women and that kind of thing and so i kind of dove into that whole world and started learning about psychology and started learning about personal growth and started learning about positive thinking and started learning about visualization and well later on visualization and affirmation and then like very shortly after that the secrets and and uh what the bleep do we know and a lot of quantum physics started showing up in my world i started seeing some of these kind of uh, the spiritual merging of, of science and because um, uh, I was a very science minded person. I was a very, like, you know, I was in college to be an engineer and a very left brain thinking kind of dude, uh, very logical growing up in, you know, in New Jersey and going to Rutgers uh, engineering school in, down in Jersey. So, very, you know, very much um, spirituality was not like my jam. Like I was a football player in high school. I was a rugby player in college. I was a drinker. I was a partier. I was a, you know, all these things. I was like, I was a dude's dude, you know? Um, (laughs) I was like, you know, it's probably like 90%, 95% masculine, 5% feminine. Right. So, um, so, but I started learning these concepts I started, you know, it was like, I started to understand I could consciously change and improve myself, or, mm. or like be or become aware of things I was doing while I was doing them, and then make a different decision. So it started off as self development, personal development. Then it moved into spirituality more, as like the secret and visualization and manifestation uh, kind of came into my awareness, and I started manifesting things and things that I was visualizing on a daily basis um, started c- coming true, like in my reality. Like I remember, um, I remember just. Everywhere I'd go on college campus, I'd be listening to this music that I loved. It was actually—it's a a crazy song, but it's called "Becoming Insane" by a a techno group called uh, Infected Mushroom. It's just like pretty intense techno music. And I would listen to this song, and I would visualize what I wanted, and then these visualizations started happening. And uh, then I started learning about energy, and I'd like—you know—I would do these little experiments, and and I'd see results, and it would be interesting. And then uh, kind of flash forward after that, I started getting really into my health. Uh, after college, I got really into martial arts. I started training Brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh, Muay Thai kickboxing. And I started getting really into my health. by drinking a lot of alkaline water and my nutrition got better. And as my nutrition got better, my health got better and I got more flexible. I started to have more spaciousness. I started to kind of shed more of the layers. Um, and that definitely had an impact. And then um, I started getting into more yoga um, as I was doing the martial arts and getting more flexible and seeing more benefit in that. Um, I started getting into Qigong as I started getting more into this energy stuff. Qigong is like – it's almost like Tai Chi. It's a little bit different though. It's a a little bit more about the energy movement. Tai Chi is a little bit more about the physical movement if I had to give it a broad generalization. So then I started doing Tai Chi or I mean Qigong every day like every morning on the beach when I was living in San Diego – uh, for like seven months. Uh, then I moved to North County, San Diego, where there's this whole spiritual community. And I started hanging out with all these like super spiritual out hippie people. And I kind of went like way <laughs> off the deep end, like, <laughs> way, like you know, like beyond burning man, like way off the deep end to like, the spiritual <laughs> side. Um, And then a big, I mean, and there was also, when I was in San Diego, I studied with an herbal shaman uh, who knows how to heal and treat any kinds of conditions with all natural plants. And he would take us and and show us where we could pick plants and what we could do with them and what we could eat and what we could use for healing and and how to make these healing balms and how to make teas and how to make tinctures and all these things. So I started learning about plants and shamanism and like, like, kind of really connected me into the to the earth in a new way and it's like all these things combined the the to start it's just like each piece was was opening me and opening me and opening me um and grounding me and and, and having me see more of my true nature and those kinds of things and then um a another big opening was i did a, a vipassana 10-day silent meditation retreat which is the first time i ever like really meditated
0: what, what year uh, was that
1: that was 2011, I believe. Okay. So 2011, yeah, the summer of 2011, I did the Vipassana meditation retreat, ten days silent meditation, um, cracked me open, blew my mind, um, and those things are really cool because they're free. Like you can, you just donate what you feel it was worth at the end, and you know, uh, typically people will give at least three hundred. Um, you know, if not more, so let um, me, let
0: me, let me ask about that. So when you say cracked you open, what does that mean for someone who's like, dude, you sound fascinating as shit, but I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That when you went (laughs) to a Vipassana for 10 days and it cracked cracked you open, what does that mean? So
1: What I would say is up until that point in my life, I had always considered myself an incredibly positive person. Like 99.9% of the time I'm happy Uh, You can't stop me you can't bring me down. I make money online. I do what I want. I achieve goals I'm great at sports. I'm like everything I want I can go get I'm happy all the time. I'm having good times all the time When I went to that it was like I recognized that there was a layer on top that was covering over some real shit inside And all this like for the first time ever I started actually truly experiencing some of the deep level stuff sadness trapped emotion just stuff that i had been like hiding that i didn't even like i was so hidden i didn't even know it was there that's what i mean by cracked open because it's almost like uh, you know this container was cracked open and this stuff started pouring out that not all of it was pretty some of it was really pretty mm. um and beautiful and deep experiences of happiness and joy and others of it was like holy fuck this feels like depression i don't get depressed mm. and so like After that retreat, I actually – I would get these waves of depression and I would like – to go handle them, I would just go down to the beach and I would do Qigong and I would sprint until my lungs were like just done. And I would just move all this energy because it was essentially energy trapped inside that was coming out to the surface to be experienced, healed, released, whatever. And so it just became – yeah, it was like I cracked some stuff open that there was release going on. And and every time you do that, there's yeah, there's pain and there's discomfort, but there's also freedom, a
0: uh, so, greater freedom. So, I mean, I think so many of us in our culture spend time pushing those feelings down, either denying them or repressing them. Um, because we've never been given a landscape of how to, how to navigate these, these emotions. We've never actually, you know, this is not what we learn in school. This is not what's celebrated in our culture. And so we numb out, we watch TV, we do the drugs, this, you know, drink the alcohol, et cetera. Um, and for you it sounds and it's not celebrated also right there's a little bit of shame associated with like why aren't you happier why aren't you in a better mood and and that just self perpetuates when we take it on then we start to feel bad about feeling bad or anxious about feeling anxious and it just becomes this this loop so for you you know what what advice would you have for people who are open to doing some of the the deeper work as far as figuring out what's really going on on a deeper level but then are are faced with the uncomfortableness of sadness or trapped emotion. How can, how can people start to work through that stuff?
1: Um, the thing, so I have, you know, techniques and methodologies, but the thing that I'm really feeling inspired to share is that the first, like the meta mindset is that there, you want to get on, you want to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, And that will serve you in every area of your life uh, forever after, and will particularly serve you in the area of inner exploration. Um, People, we've been programmed that we're not supposed to be uncomfortable, right? From our from our life and our comfy beds and our perfectly you know functional houses and our perfectly on time food supply and And our nice IKEA duvet, baby exactly and so fuzzy and so soft and you have no idea where it came from or how it got made but it's there mm-hmm. and it's all wrapped around you and you know driving everywhere and we are literally me- and and programmed for comfort and but if you look at anyone who's achieved anything worth a damn they have gone through a great amount of discomfort to get there every single olympic athlete endures daily discomfort as they push themselves to the edge of their physical capacity in order to reach a new edge and anyone who has great emotional freedom was either a raised by exceptionally conscious parents in an exceptionally conscious um community or a situation in which they never got programmed with the nonsense that 99.9 percent of everyone gets programmed with which is the rare case or they've gotten comfortable being uncomfortable and doing the work And so I think what stops a lot of people from being willing to go there is that as soon as they go there, they're like, oh, sadness, that's fucking scary. Like, I'm not supposed to feel that. Like, And it doesn't feel good. So there must be something wrong here. Let me run away from it somehow, whether that's through food, through booze, through drugs, through media, through sex, whatever. Let me get away from this feeling. Um, And so the meta mindset that I think is super valuable is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Sometimes you're sad. And you need to actually be in your sadness because it's trying to tell you something. It's trying to show you something. Your subconscious mind doesn't communicate in words, it communicates in feelings and emotions, which can be translated into words when you get into a, a, a deep relationship with it. But primarily, your body, which has wisdom of its own, every cell in your body has consciousness to it. Your body has its own wisdom. It's why they call it a gut instinct, it's why they call it, you know, like um, heartbreak right because there there's there's wisdom in your body they've actually shown that your gut and your heart think like how your brain thinks um there's like science that backs that up i don't i don't know too many of the details but go ahead and check it out if y'all are interested mm-hmm. um <laughs> but it's like basically there's an intelligence in your body it doesn't communicate with words It communicates with feelings and if you don't if you're unwilling to feel feelings because you feel there's only a certain spectrum of feelings that are, that are good, quote unquote, for you to feel, then you're cutting off the communication. And the simplest way, I think, to think about it is, look, nature is infinitely intelligent. If something wasn't serving us to have, we would have already evolved out of it. If our negative emotions didn't have a service for us, they wouldn't exist, just like you know, other random things that we don't have on our body anymore don't exist, right? And and that just like every other animal in the animal kingdom evolves and, and you know, releases itself of things that it no longer needs mm. to adapt to the scenarios of, of the environment. So I just think there's a whole case for us to look at negative emotions in a new light um, and personally to hold yourself um, personally accountable to being willing to go into the uncomfort knowing that there's gold there knowing that there's growth there um
0: yeah 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 I, I love that mindset of become comfortable with being uncomfortable and i mean that talk about liberation talk about freedom when i really took that on 10 years ago whenever that was and, there, and there's a little bit of that like bring it on energy there's a little bit of like all right let's just buckle up let's let's do this. Um, that That's that's so freeing. And I, I've never heard it said the way that you said it before, that your subconscious mind talks in emotions and in feelings. That's, that's really fascinating. For everyone who's listening who says, okay, so I've got the mindset down of become comfortable with being uncomfortable. What's a practice or a tool or a technique that you may suggest to people who are listening to go... Uh, not only embrace the mindset but now now take that out into their life and put it into practice
1: so this technique that i'll share it's very simple technique and i would say other than my meditation practice this is the single most transformational thing that i've ever done i've done hundreds of hours of this kind of work um and it's incredibly liberating and transforming it literally can transform you in every area of your life so it's it's I'll call it the somatic presencing process, which is a name that one of my clients, Jeffrey Van Dyke, gave to it. I used to call it something else. I used to call it the core technique, which I learned from a guy named Tom Stone, but it's kind of hybridized, so I don't know what to call it. Let's call it the emotional awesomeness technique.
0: Let's just call it Um, Noah's dope technique.
1: Yeah, it's not mine, um, but (laughs) yeah, sure, the dopeness. (laughs) So here's the dopeness. Um, When you feel a feeling... It, our natural instinct is to try to like you know run away from it especially if it's a negative one right um so we're going to do the opposite so say you know say someone said something to you that was really heartbreaking and it's just like pff, like a dagger in your chest right what you want to do is actually um you know it helps if you close your eyes typically uh, and if you need to like go somewhere to be by yourself to do this that's always helpful too like i've done this while driving though with my eyes open like once you get good at it you can do it anywhere anytime um but maybe at the beginning you want to do it kind of in your own space with your own world going on you know eyes closed kind of thing so you got the dagger in the chest oh fuck i can't believe you know my girl just broke up with me or like i can't believe my my dad just said that like he doesn't love me whatever it is some sadness boom right there in your chest so what you want to do is you want to take your awareness and actually focus into the middle of the emotion. So find the most dense portion of the emotion. Sometimes you'll feel it in multiple places, maybe a little bit in your stomach and a little bit in your chest. Find the densest portion, the place that feels the most painful, the most sad, the most angry, the most whatever. um, And go and center yourself, center your awareness into that emotion. Sometimes it can help to even visualize it. Like maybe you see it like a A dark cloud or like a black ball and then put your awareness put your attention at the very center of that black cloud at the very center of that black ball and feel and here's a really important meta mindset here you're not here to get rid of the emotion you're not here to like remove it what you're here to do is to compassionately listen with love and receive what it has to offer you you're there with gratitude even though it's this is gonna be totally weird at first because you're like in the sadness and it's like how the fuck do I have gratitude while this feels so sad? But what you actually create over time is liberation from your from a, a trappedness in your emotional body. I don't want to get too complicated, but like um, you can you can witness sadness and feel sadness without being sadness, right? And that's kind of a skill that you acquire from learning how to be with your emotions. You know, you recognize that like, yes, I'm experiencing sadness. Yes, I'm witnessing sadness. Yes, I'm feeling sadness. I am not sadness. Like mm. I am me. I'm my soul. I'm my spirit, Yeah. right? And And the sadness is here to serve me ultimately. So I'm here grateful that this sadness, which is a communication to me, has shown up. I'm here to witness it. I'm grateful for it. And I'm diving into the center of it, fully present, to allow it to deliver its communication of this energy to me. I'm here for it, right? So it can help sometimes to even put like a hand over where the emotion is. And the other important thing as you continue to dive into it and you can even deepen it by continually seeing yourself like dive into the center of the center and then the center of that center and just continually zooming into the absolute center of that emotion with your present loving awareness, fully receiving the messages, the emotion, the energy that it's sharing with you. Um, And what you want to do at the same time is make sure that you're aware of your breath, that you're literally, you know, you're consciously breathing. And not only are you consciously breathing, but you're aware that you are breathing. You're noticing your breathing and you're also paying attention to the emotion. The reason why this is so important is because when trauma happens, what typically happens, the first thing that happens is our breath stops. Something traumatic happens, we go "Ah," and our breath stops. And literally, so by noticing the intense emotion and also noticing your breath, you're literally giving your brain the the ability to rewire and reprogram itself, and this is also backed by science
0: yeah, dude, so you're this is so good. Forming,
1: yeah, you're literally forming new connections in your brain, and you release the trauma much faster because that stopness becomes becomes flowing again, right The breath is moving, the emotion is being experienced. And for people who are new to this kind of work, I'll I'll tell you the importance of it. So emotions, emotion, energy, E in motion. The reason you feel your emotions is because they actually have an energy to them. And what happens when you repress your emotions, when you ignore them, when you store them, that energy doesn't just disappear. It doesn't just like fade away into nothingness. It literally gets stored in your body. Um, And The reason why some people have like a super short fuse about stuff, like, you know, some people it's like, oh, don't, you know, don't tell her, don't say anything to her about like her hair. Like, you know, she'll freak out, right? And if like her hair's not perfect, she'll freak out and she'll be like, what do you think about my hair? It's like, uh, and she'll freak out, right? Or whatever, whatever people have a short fuse about where they go from normal to crazy in 0.0 seconds. You know what
0: I'm talking about, Jacob? I got no idea, bro. right.
1: (laughs) Right. Of course not um yeah there's nobody like that in brooklyn um (laughs) there's
0: nobody like that in my apartment
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's nobody like that in my mind um so the reason that happens though is because like so say you're six years old and someone makes fun of your hair and you have this emotional sadness about it but you don't know how to process it right because you literally at that age your brain literally can't like Get aware of sadness and just be okay with that. Like it doesn't know how to fully, so it's like it escapes it, right? And it stores a little bit of energy. And literally, you know, like attracts like. So you're carrying around that energy, which means you're activating in the world around you another opportunity for that energy to get activated and expressed. So then, when you're nine, someone makes this is a silly example. Someone makes fun of your hair, and that energy kind of like it's like almost like it gets stored in a little pack. Little satchel. Well, as soon as someone does the same thing that activates the same vibration, it unleashes all that energy, right? But then, because again, you're not willing or able to look at your emotions and to process the energy that's showing up, now even more energy gets stored and bottled up in that same, you know, like that same filing cabinet, right? And then when you're 15, another experience happens that opens that same filing cabinet. Boom, more energy, more f- bad feelings, again, repression more energy stored in that filing cabinet. And this goes on and on to the point where people get short fuses about shit where it doesn't even make sense the way they react. The reason being is that whatever you did to stimulate opened that filing cabinet and there's a whole nightmare inside that filing cabinet of repressed emotional energy. And so when you open that filing cabinet, someone goes from zero to crazy in a second. And it's because they don't know how to be with their emotions. And because though, when you open that filing cabinet, such intense emotions show up for them. And they don't know how to process them. They only know how to externalize and blame. Then they freak out at you for opening that can of worms in them and because they don't understand this this deeper understanding of the human framework and how it works and how emotions work and, and how everything that's out there is there to stimulate a lesson or growth or an awareness of your own light or darkness in here. So they freak out.
0: Right. Um, I'm. I'm really tempted to drop the mic right now, but I don't want to freak everyone out. Just on behalf of you, because of the amount of insane <laughs> wisdom bombs that are getting dropped. So, so let me let me jump in, and we can continue yeah. to go further down this path. But it reminds me of the oversimplified maxim, which is, "You've got to feel it to heal it." And so many of us spend, you know, time in our heads. We think we can outthink overthinking. It's like, oh yeah, this thing happened in my in my head, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna reframe it this way and re envision it this way. And I know, you know, my girlfriend, for instance, has spent uh, years in therapy, as have I, and we've just found that while it's really helpful, there's also only a certain depth you can go to when it comes to processing deeper trauma, because therapy, in the traditional sense, the psychoanalytic sense is you're you're working with the mind but trauma uh, is experienced and stored in the body and that's where you know when we talk about somatics we're talking about body work so let me let me bring it back to Uh, to just the process that you shared so that we can really um, present this uh, and just reinforce it in a way that is super actionable and usable for people. So the somatic presencing process, the first step is really just to notice whatever the emotion is that you're feeling. Step one, notice the emotion. Step two would be to put your focus on that that emotion, wherever it's most dense, see if you can locate the, the deepest, most dense part of your body where you just feel whatever that emotion is step three is is if you want to go deeper into it you can even start to visualize it to see you know what what um what color is it what shape is it what texture is it if you want to go a bit deeper into it um and then step four would be to go in as deep as you can into the feeling of fully experiencing that emotion not so that you can remove it but that so you can actually get what it came to give you to listen to it and the the kind of um thing to keep in mind as you're doing all this your your awareness wants to be partially on exactly what we just spoke about and partially on your breathing so there's this dual presence of my breath and also the emotion any part there that uh we'd want to add to or change or or speak about
1: that's totally awesome and the only thing i'd add is that the entire thing is wrapped in a container of loving awareness that you're doing this whole process out of a love for yourself and a desire to connect with and commune with the fullness of your being and in an appreciation for the communications that your emotional body has for you, knowing that there's growth and lessons and greater power in you being connected to yourself at this level.
0: And, and the advantage um, of doing this process is that you get to – remove yourself from the current patterns the current experience of of the people say they want to take their game to the next level or their life to the next level this is clearing the blocks and the patterns that stand in the way is that right
1: exactly so i'll give you a, a an app uh, like a direct application of how i use this so when i was in norway i think in 2012 or 13 i was speaking at morton hockey's uh conference it's like uh the I forgot the name of this conference but it was a personal development conference there's probably about 300 400 people there and it was the biggest room that I'd ever spoken in uh, at that point point. and so there was nervousness there was fears like oh man I want this to go well right so I noticed that the nervousness and the fear and so for the couple nights before the my time to speak on stage I, what, what I'd like to do, and this is something that you guys can do if uh, you're like me and you get a kick out of going deep on things, um, I like to purposefully visualize the most emotional-inducing state or visualization possible. So noticing the fear of me getting on stage – I visualized that when I went to go in on stage, not only was I getting on stage in front of all these people, but all of them had like rotted fruit, like cocked and ready in their hand. And if I said even one word wrong, they were going to throw their <laughs> rotted fruit at me and boom me off stage. No pressure. Right. And there's no pressure. So, like, I do that to like pull up the depth of the emotion. It's like, okay, so what? Okay, so I'm a little bit nervous about this big crowd. Okay, what if this crowd also like wanted to kill me? And like, how much nervousness would be there then? Right. And just, just my weird brain likes to maximize everything. So, um so what I did for the couple nights before going on stage was I visualized that visual, I felt all the feelings that were showing up and I felt them. The the end of the process is that you feel the feelings until you don't feel them anymore. Right? And sometimes that can take 5 seconds, sometimes it can take 5 minutes, sometimes it can take 5 hours, sometimes it can take 50 hours. Right? One of my clients um Essentially, his dad went to jail for molesting his sisters. And when he was like nine years old, this is one of my former clients, the first imagery of sex he ever had in his brain was his older brothers telling him why his dad was going to jail uh, for what he had done to his sisters. Um, so needless to say, there was some trauma there. Um, and this kid was nearly addicted to like, I mean, this kid was smoking weed every day, drinking booze every day, popping pills every day, doing acid like five times a week, like nearly committed to a mental institution. Like his life was in shambles. And just from this technique alone, he got completely substance free in three months. And what it involved was he had this picture of his dad in his drawer. The first time he pulled the picture out. He's like, I can't, I can't look at the picture, man. He's like, I can't look at the picture. I'm like, you can look at the picture. Like, go ahead. Look at the picture. And he starts looking at the picture. He starts hyperventilating. He's like, he's like I, I can't, I'm going to die. He's like, I'm going to die. Like, he, the, he felt so much tension in his chest. He's literally hyperventilating. He literally can't breathe. The emotions are so intense and so built up. He literally is like, and I'm like holding him through the process. I'm like, it's cool, man. Like, feel it. What are you feeling in your chest? Where is it? What does it feel like? like? And I'm taking him through this process. And literally, like, so he literally spent multiple hours a day, every day from that point forward, looking at the picture of his dad and then feeling all the feelings that were coming up and doing this process with it. And by doing that, he literally got substance free in three months and took his whole life back. Hmm. Um, that's well, me, how much well, let me ask: <laughs>
0: how, how do we be careful not to, I guess, re-experience trauma? And this might be an inquiry that we both sit in i'm just wondering so he's like there's going into the to the discomfort or the trauma but Mm. then how do we make sure that we're processing it and i guess not continually just torturing ourselves with the reliving of it
1: well um my my one immediate answer would be um only you can know whether or not you're hurting yourself or helping yourself and what I'd say is that you know I'm not a medical doctor, so this is not diagnosing any kind of situation or scenario. Um, but from my best uh, experience, and I've done this process with hundreds of clients um, and taught to thousands of people, what I'd say is if you're feeling freedom on the other side of these of these experiences of going into the emotions, if you that's you'll feel it. You'll either you, like after doing this even for 30 seconds, you'll feel release uh relaxation um greater freedom um the the feeling won't be as intense anymore so the reason i was going to share it is that um basically the end of the process is you pretty much you can't find the feeling anymore and when you revisit the stimulus the feeling doesn't show up which means you've like fully processed
0: help help us draw a distinction between this and the law of attraction where I think some people are so afraid to go into this stuff and myself at different times. Yeah. Because it's like, Oh, I'm going to attract more of this thing.
1: So it's a great question, man. Um, so the law of attraction is actually conceptually flawed. And the reason I'll say that is because the law of attraction deals with Newtonian physics, which quantum physics has, has long since disproved in many ways. So Newtonian physics holds up in 3D reality, right? Cause and effect. Um, Like you drop the apple from the tree and it hits the person on the head and it's got one half mv squared kinetic energy equation worth of force and all the Newtonian physics that really do govern our physical universe very accurately. That only works if you're working within the limited model of our physical universe, right? So this idea that like I attract this thing by using this vibration and so then that thing comes to me, it's accurate but to a degree, And what, um, what I'd say is that you as a human, uh, spirit, as more than just a human body, but as a, 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 um, a literally like God, ye are gods. Like Jesus said, ye are gods. Like there's, there is an individualized spark of God consciousness inside you and God doesn't operate or called spirit or called the universe. It's really beyond the universe though. So call it whatever you want, the stillness that creates all beingness, whatever it is, the infinite organizer, um, that energy is literally inside you. And when you understand yourself to the true essence of yourself, you don't need to attract shit. You can create it. Like the, the being that literally creates universes like it's child's play is inside you. You are part of it. And as you understand yourself more fully as that thing, you don't have to wait on any affirmation to show up. You can literally move mountains with your mind, right? But that depends on your level of self-realization, as they call it, or self-understanding, or what they call in, in yogic terms, God-realization, is when you realize yourself experientially as one with God, and you've literally broken down all barriers of consciousness to the knowingness of yourself as as one with the singular, infinite, um so as you move towards that that's where your true power comes from and i've done the law of attraction stuff and i've done the positive thinking stuff and i've attracted and i've manifested and i've also done a ton of that and not attracted and not manifested even though i was doing the same process so what you'll notice if you get real with your law of attraction is it's really easy to say like oh i manifested that when it shows up and then when it doesn't show up on another scenario it's just kind of like we ignore it we selective. Mm -hmm. We get selectively ignorant with what we manifest and what we didn't. Um, and what's really true, though, is that there's a deeper essence to you that um, right now, if you've got trapped emotional energy, is covered over by this quagmire of of delusion, of emotional energy, which has a certain frequency and a certain density, um, but is not like your highest frequency possible your highest realization possible it's a it's a layer of muck over what's truly potentially possible it's like you know the lotus flower grows out of the swamp or the bog right it's like the lotus flower of your consciousness might right now be underneath a a little bit of a, a layers of muck of emotional trauma of limited thinking of um lots of things that you know and and the greatest sergeant the greatest um quest of man on earth is to uh, uncover all the muck and to see the pure the pure lotus flower that you are um so
0: yeah so that's so so, so, so let me let me jump in so i can listen to you talk for hours right so let me bring it back so i don't yeah. so that we don't. make, sure, end, I'm, make end, sure i'm
1: being relevant and helpful please
0: yeah <laughs> um <laughs> So, got it. So, you know, basically, w- when we bring it back to the the very, okay, material world, here we are, we're going to our job, we're, we're dealing in our relationship, etc. Um, it sounds like, you know, for those of us who are listening who want to take a step in this direction and start to experiment with it, you know, craft some time aside for yourself where you're not in the middle of putting out a fire at work or dealing with an obligation or a responsibility that you have. And, and allow yourself to, um, to, to, to do this work and to dabble in it and, and to play with it. And notice, notice the effects that it has on you. Do you feel more free? Do you feel uncomfortable? Um, I'd also encourage you to get, you know, somebody who maybe you can... Uh, go on this journey with you don't need to do it together but but kind of supporting each other so that when you're going into these unknown areas that you can process your experience with somebody whether that's a coach or a friend or just you know someone new who you meet in a supportive group um Noah, i want to be conscious of the time because i I, got, I have a hard stop at the hour but i want to i wanted to ask you about alignment which i know is something that you're really big on um why for, for people who are listening, who are looking to ultimately you know, live with a deeper sense of purpose and take their life to the next level, you talk a lot about alignment. and We've spoken about it personally offline together. Um, what, what does that mean and how can people start to apply that to their life?
1: Yeah, um, so alignment, what it means and how to apply it to your life. Would you mind, Jacob, if I took 30 seconds to wrap up the whole emotional box that we had open? In my brain, it's still open just yeah, a yeah, little yeah. tiny bit. Yeah, Please do. Cool. So what I'd say, people, is, yeah, taking 10 or 15 minutes to just consciously think about the things that you know trigger you and be with them and see what freedom gets created. Awesome. Um, and kind of close the loop. When I got on stage in Norway, there was no nervousness. There was just pure presence because I had already processed through all the nervousness. And that's kind of the freedom you can create. If you're afraid to ask your boss for a promotion and it's terrifying to you, cool. Go home. Sit about it. Imagine thinking to yourself about asking your boss for that promotion and being nervous and all that and feel the nervousness and feel it and feel it and feel it until you don't really feel it so much anymore. Now you've created freedom inside you. Now you can go up to your boss and say, hey, I wanted to talk to you about getting a promotion. And all of a sudden, you have access to more of who you really are and more of your true desires. And that actually rolls straight into alignment because – That's really what alignment is. Like at the end of the day, um, I'm so present to the feeling in my body of what's true and what's not that when things don't feel right in my body, I can't move forward on them because it's almost like I'm just so present to something's not right here and it takes over my brain more so than my ability. You know, in, in the past, I had the ability to just take my brain and say, listen, body, You shut the fuck up and you sit down and you do this work because my brain says that this is important and this is what we need to do right now to go, you know, make our business happen, Mm. right? And my body would go, okay, brain, you win and that would happen. Um, And I had some hard lessons in alignment, some companies I started or some partners and relationships I, I got into and different times where I've ignored the truth of what my body was communicating with me. And every time I did that, things went astray. I think it was Oprah who said that failures in life are literally just here to show you where you're not listening. And so to me, alignment is just having a commitment to listen to your intuition and to your body, which is where your intuition really you know, speaks loudly, um, above the chatter in your brain, and to, and to let the chatter in your brain be in service to the intuition, like it's a hold hold
0: on so hold on so let me ask so when you say listen to your body think about the person who's you know think about a five-year-old right now okay imagine a five-year-old is listening to this and and they hear you say listen to your body uh what what does that mean how the hell do we do that
1: do what feels good do what feels expansive and don't be one of those assholes that's like Oh, what really feels good to me right now is to totally flake on you. So that's what I did and you better understand that I'm just following my bliss. Fuck that. Have integrity and communicate effectively and do what feels good. So if what feels good is for you to say no to this friend, I'm not going to hang out at that place. What's going to feel good for me is to go over here and and nourish myself this way. Yeah, don't just flake. Communicate. Say, hey man, I really appreciate the opportunity and I love you. Um, Tonight I'm feeling this. And I'm, and be, be willing to own your alignment. That's the thing is that your alignment gets fucked up when you feel apologetic for it. You have to be able to own it and at the same time, don't be a douche about it. <laughs> because I see a lot of that in the world of like personal power where it's like I'm new to this idea of honoring myself and because I honor myself – I don't really give a fuck about anybody else. Yay. And that's kind of like a very immature and it's cool, like you can, when you first start honoring your own feelings and your own needs, sometimes that's a natural part of the process is like, cause you've, most of us, almost all of us have been programmed for millennia to not honor our own needs for, you know, don't, don't worry about your needs, dude, go fight for the King, go on the battlefield. Kill yourself in his honor. It's not about your needs. It's about the king's needs and the people's needs. Or to a woman, don't worry about your needs. Make another baby. Feed the babies. Clothe the babies. M- handle the babies because we need you to do what you do, mom, so that the, you know, the farm can survive. Don't worry about your needs. Just work yourself tirelessly for your kids. right? And that's kind of like how humanity has programmed itself. Um, but we're in a way different world now and what actually will have you um, – create the the depth of your possibility in this world, um, is to honor, trust, know, and, and be acquainted with the feelings and needs of your own self Mm -hmm. to know that your needs aren't needy, that your needs are a gift and that, um, people actually love the opportunity to help you fulfill your needs. Um, so like owning your needs, communicating your needs, standing in your needs, following your needs, and that ultimately just feels like following what feels good. Um, and a caveat I'll put there – I know I'm kind of brain dumping a lot of stuff. But a caveat there with the owning what feels good thing is make sure you're not hiding it from what feels bad. Yeah. right. Because there there's a difference between knowing where your expansion really lies and um, cowering from where your expansion truly is. But it's scary. So I'm going to back out of that and not go there. And, it, and it's it, going to be up to you to know the difference.
0: It, it's almost like a feeling – that is deeper than desire desire is like oftentimes instant gratification it's like oh I desire some chocolate or I desire some porn but that's not when you say you know listening to what feels good that that's not the essence of it the essence of it is like slow down take a deep breath really take a few moments to connect with the the stillness inside of you with just a little bit slower paced a little bit more grounded version of yourself that's gonna come from breathing and when you're in that place and you imagine this decision or you imagine that thing and start to notice your body, does it expand? Does it feel looser? Does it feel like you're, you're growing or does it feel um, contracting? Does it feel like, oh, like my gut is telling me oh, stay away from that? Um, Noah, you might want to put a, a, a bookend on this also, but I, I did want to ask you about a process that you brought me through as far as finding I think we were doing it in the context of branding, but I think that this exercise could be really powerful for people who are looking to step into their purpose, which is a, um, a reflection of some past experiences that I had in life and looking at how those things ultimately can lead me to figure out what it is that I'm, I'm most here to do in the world. Uh, being conscious of our, our time, uh, could you possibly walk us through what that exercise is and how people can do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so, first thing I'll say is that when I forgot who they interviewed, but it was like 40 different very successful people of, you know, uh, big time actresses and celebrities and also like CEOs and company owners. And they all asked them this question of like, what would they tell their like 20 something year old self or their 30 something year old self? And like a huge percentage of them, maybe 80% of them said something to the effect of, it's all going to work out or like it's all going perfectly and just relax, like it's all going to work out. Um, and uh, it was also, um, yeah, so just kind of going with that, uh, it was Wayne Dyer who, who passed recently, who I know you're a fan of. Um, some of the things that he wrote in his last couple of years was about how, I think his last book actually was about how everything in his life He could see how everything that happened in his life, good or bad, was a perfect, perfect contribution to the work he was here to do with his life, the experience he was here to have with his life. And so what's important for people like us who are dealing with challenges, who are growing, who are conscious of that, um, it's important to recognize that your life is perfection. And everything that's ever happened to you and ever will happen to you is actually perfectly designed To make you who you're here to be to fulfill the work you're here to do and have the experience you're here to have. Something I heard the other day which I thought was fucking brilliant is you can't mess up God's plan. You're not that powerful. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. So kind of going along with that, the exercise that you were speaking about, Jacob – um, we call it kind of mining your life's PhD or understanding your life's PhD, basically understanding the thing that you are getting a PhD in just because of what your life is. And so here's the questions you ask. You basically, you just intuitively revisit any moments of, of trauma or or um, um, or what we call them wounding moments, a wound not being like a gaping wound, like I'm bleeding. A wound is any time that something happens in reality that changes your thought patterns and then your behavior patterns forever after, right? So someone says or does something, it makes you realize something or think something or change your way of thinking about something. And then you behave differently thereafter as a result. Okay. That's a wounding moment. Um, So what you want to do with these questions is you revisit wounding moments in your life. And they can just come up intuitively. Just ask to see moments in your childhood or in your early adulthood where, you know, you had these important kind of moments. And they can be acute moments like, you know, you let the dog out and you weren't supposed to and the dog got hit by a car and it was your fault. And it's like, oh, what does that mean about me? Um, Or it could be longstanding things like, you know, you had an emotionally distant father who just never really loved you. And, you know, maybe there's a certain moment where you really remember looking for his love and not getting it again. Um, anyway, you revisit these moments and you ask yourself these very really simple questions. First question is what happened? What happened? What was happening? I asked my father for love and he didn't give it to me again. The second question is how did I feel? How did I feel? Well, I felt unloved. I felt unwanted. I felt worthless, right? What did I crave is the third question. What did I crave? Well, I longed for Uh, belonging i longed for father's love i longed for acceptance um fourth question how um what did i do fourth question is what did i do i went up into my room and i played with my toys and i cried alone right and fifth question is how did i develop both personally or professionally right so the questions again are what happened how did i feel what did i crave what did i do and how did I develop personally and professionally? And if you look at four or five or six different moments in your life where you know, trauma or wounding happened, you'll start to see what you're getting your life's PhD in. You'll start to see uh, themes and patterns of ways you felt and ways you developed. And, and you'll start to see how your career has been developing you in similar ways or how you're, what you've been developing all along has been applied into your career or how you know it's all applying into your vision that you have for what work you're here to do in the world. Um, and it basically gives you an understanding of yourself and the expertise that you are being crafted to be. Because there's, you know, there's a million life coaches, right, Jacob? There's a million life coaches, but there's only one Jacob Sokol, right? And so the person that you're here to lead is – Um, the person that you have the 100% understanding of through your life's PhD, through the patterns you've worked through, through the, the experiences you've had, that's made you the perfect leader for that specific person. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and we all have some work to do here. So even, you know, even if you're a customer service agent, well, there's a million customer service agents, but there, there's a specific way that you can be a customer service agent that's in alignment with your whole life's training program so far that will make you an exceptionally good one. that will probably make you noticed and make you have a bit more fun at work and have you uh, feel like you're being like more purposeful and on purpose with your daily gift. Maybe you'll notice – more of the people who call you looking for customer service share similar wound patterns that you do. And you have this ability to like really brighten their day in a unique and specific and powerful way because of the experience you've had in your life so far. Um, you'll start to see more meaning and purpose come into your world right away. So it's an, it's an exercise in self-understanding that can lead to a lot of power in your work and in your contribution and your life's work and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so good, dude. And, and for everyone who's listening – You know, this is step one where Noah will will start with his, you know, million-dollar clients who who have these huge businesses, and it really all starts with slowing down and getting really clear on what is it that's unique about me, and and oftentimes, it's the things that made us cry when we were a kid that end up becoming our greatest assets. The pain leads to the purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. Noah, you know... Thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm uh, resentfully looking at my clock like, damn, you clock. I wish we had more time. That's uh, yeah, all good, man. But I uh, love you. Love your wisdom. If people want to continue to engage with you, um, how's the best way that they can do that?
1: Um, whew, That's an interesting question. So I have a company called OM Marketing Group, and you can check us out at omommarketinggroup.net. And that's where I do uh, digital marketing for spiritual and transformational leaders. And uh, we apply a lot of these personal development principles to our marketing so that people land in the marketplace in a totally unique and awesome way. Uh, And if you feel called to follow me, you can just search my name, Noah Hammond Terrell, on Facebook. I actually put out daily channeled uh, advice guidance that I channel for myself and I share it with everybody else on Facebook. So if it helps anybody else, it helps other people. So if you want to get more of whatever is um, coming through me that day, you can just add me on Facebook and send me a message. Say, hey, what's up? I heard you on Jacob's thing and I'll add you and, and you can check me out there. Um, yeah, that's the best ways these days. So check me out, guys. And, uh, and I hope it was helpful.
0: Yeah, love it, brother. Um, and so for everyone listening, think about that initial intention that we set of having you walk away with one nugget and just take a moment to say, okay, I invested almost an hour of my time here right now. What's one nugget that I took away from this? And the second part to that question is, what's one action I'll take in order to apply it? Noah, thanks so much for being here. Guys, much love to all of you. We'll talk soon.